Welcome to 1514, a podcast of the Biblical Counseling Coalition. 1514 draws its name from Romans 1514, where the Apostle Paul encourages the church that they are full of goodness, filled with all knowledge, and able to counsel one another. I'm your host and the executive director of the BCC, Dr. Curtis Solomon, and I hope you enjoy today's episode. Thank you for joining us for this episode of 1514. It's a pleasure and delight to have you as part of our audience. This episode is an interview that I got to do with Kyle Johnson, who's a BCC council member. He's a pastor in his local church in Cape Town, South Africa. He's also a professor at a local college there. He's the chair of Biblical Counseling Africa, and he recently wrote a book. And in the last few years, he finished a, a PhD. So we had a lot to catch up on, a lot to talk about. So I'm excited for you to hear about what's what God has been doing in and through Kyle Johnson, Biblical Counseling Africa, and the Biblical Counseling Movement in that continent. Really excited about what they're doing. And uh, I was also really encouraged by a lot of the feedback Kyle gave us about the BCC, the value of the resources that we create, the value of the relationships and how the ministry that we provide made it possible for him to do a lot of the things that he has done in the last few years and will continue to do through ministries like Biblical Counseling Africa. And in light of that, I want to ask you to support the work of the Biblical Counseling Coalition. Some of you already do. We are a nonprofit organization who depends on donors and partners to support the work that we are doing. Uh, But a lot of you are not. And I want to encourage you, if you haven't given to the Biblical Counseling Coalition in the past, jump online and make a special donation or set up a recurring donation to give on a monthly or yearly basis. We really appreciate it. And uh, just it's an opportunity for you to join us in this wonderful work uh, of unifying biblical counseling and promoting it around the world. So thank you so much for listening today. I hope that you are blessed by today's episode. Well, thank you, uh, Kyle Johnson, for joining us for 1514 today. I know a lot of our audience uh, know you already and maybe heard our previous podcast, but for those who haven't, could you introduce yourself to our audience and maybe give us a little update on family and life? Yeah, gladly. Uh, Thanks for having me, Curtis. Um, Yeah, my name is Kyle. I'm married to Kirsty. We have been married for 15 years in December. Uh, We've got three daughters. Um, Sophia, Zoe, and Evelyn. And yeah, we live in Cape Town. Uh, I'm a pastor at a church called Jubilee Community Church. And I am responsible for Bible teaching and the biblical counseling ministry there. Um, I do some part-time lecturing in biblical counseling at a Bible college in the city called George Woodfield College. Um, And I'm the chairman of a group called Biblical Counseling Africa. So, so like a lot of our guests, you have sounds like you have a lot of spare time on your hands. Uh, so thank you for ministering in all those different capacities. And we were talking a little bit ahead of time, uh, uh, just the great work that God has called us to. And, and someday maybe we will uh, rest and enjoy those rewards, but it might be eternity <laughs> where, we, we, where we do that. But um, we... A lot has happened since the last time you were on the podcast, including a global pandemic and all kinds of other things like that. So there was so much I wanted to talk to you about. We may go a little bit long. We may have to split this up. But I wanted to get an update on the 
status of the church and the status of biblical counseling in South Africa, where you guys are, but then uh, we'll roll into some of these other things like your PhD, your book, other stuff like that, that I would like to talk to you about as well. So why don't you start by kind of telling everybody, uh, give us a synapse, a s- summary, <laughs> couldn't think of the other word, synopsis, that's what it was, of maybe the last couple of years, what life has been like for you and the church in, in South Africa and where things stand now. Thanks. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's a great question and probably hard to give a totally satisfying answer. I think some of the things that come to mind would be obviously considering the impact of COVID on the church. Um, our COVID restrictions have have been very severe in, in the sense that they've been really strong. In fact, um, this past Sunday was the first time um, that they've been totally relaxed. So they've been up for 817 days. Um, so this past Sunday was the first time we've met in church with no masks for over two years. And I think that's had a massive impact on the quality of um, community and on discipleship and on pastoral care. Um, yeah, so for a long time, uh, services were virtual. You know, they would have been pre-recorded and then just uploaded to YouTube. Um, and then when restrictions, when we were allowed back, there were still quite a lot of restrictions. So we would have, you know, limited numbers gathering and then we'd live stream. And yeah, I think everyone did the best uh, they could in the situation, but I, I certainly, I think that a lot of, a lot of people struggled through that. Um, and of course it depends on whether or not people have access to the internet as well. So uh, yeah, that was, that was challenging. I think there were massive social and economic consequences to that lockdown. Um, so we've really seen that in the country as a whole and in the church as well. Um, yeah, so it's been, it's been really tough and sad, and it feels like we are really needing to do a lot of rebuilding coming out of, coming out of COVID. So I think people are feeling a bit tired and a bit weary, and at the same time, I think the last two and a half years have been also quite fractious. I think that's been true in America as well, from what I can tell. <laughs> um, <laughs> Um, and I think some of those similar kind of, um, issues have, have connected to the church in, in Africa as well. I think often, you know, there's this phrase that if America sneezes, the world catches a cold and there's, I think some of those, some of those same topics, um, are, are discussed and debated, uh, you know, in, in, in our context as well. So that's been, that's been challenging, not being able to do some of those difficult conversations in person has been even more difficult. Um, and then I think just some of the ongoing challenges of, of life in South Africa and um, the level of stress, I think, are quite high. The levels of discouragement are quite high. So, uh, yeah, I think that the church is, is feeling weak and feeling tired and feeling like the world has changed quite quickly and it seemed to happen online <laughs> largely. And so, um, so I think the church coming out of COVID is, is kind of facing a, a different context in some ways and just needing to, needing to think that through. I think one of the things that's been clear though, and 
perhaps quite encouraging is that the desire for biblical counseling, I think, has grown. You know, I think coming out of COVID, mental health problems have increased, um, stress, anxiety, anger, fear. A lot of those things have only increased. And so I think there is, in general, a, a much greater desire for the church to speak into those kinds of areas. And I think what's, you know, that's resulted, I think, in a positive um, desire to see more biblical counselling, not less. So so that's obviously in terms of the kind of work I do, that's, that's quite encouraging. Yeah, absolutely. It was interesting to to see just even statistically watching where our resources were being utilized. We actually saw quite a bit, uh, like when I did that short 40 days, 40 days out of 800 and whatever is a, a drop in the bucket. But South Africa is one of the largest global, um, you know, as far as people utilizing that resource, uh, you guys used it quite a bit. So um, I think the hunger there and the need for resources for people who are locked away was was very evident uh, if, if people were paying attention to those kind of things. So, yeah, well, we'll, we'll continue to pray for you um, and your country and your church and, and the biblical counseling movement there. One of the things, too, that's kind of, uh, I mean, it's in the works far before COVID, but has really, um, you guys have continue to press forward and expand and grow is a ministry called BC Africa, which I was really excited about. I was, we were talking beforehand. I, I love your website. It's super, just a cool look, but it also has an even better mission. Can you share with our audience what that mission is and how you guys are accomplishing it? Sure. Yeah. So Biblical Counseling Africa is really an educational organization. We are seeking to equip local churches across Africa to do gospel-centered pastoral care, um, which, yeah, which is also known as biblical counseling. <laughs> so, yeah, we're fundamentally about um, producing educational opportunities um, for, particularly for local churches. Um, so our focus is very much on, in that space, rather than seeking to be a theological college or anything like that. So we're sort of one yeah, uh, we're not. We're, we're kind of more geared towards local church. We do that through three levels of training. So level one training is kind of once-off seminars, um, consultations with church leadership teams, um, where we really introduce biblical counselling, or we give a sort of taster of what a biblical counselling approach on a particular topic might look like. So um, we might do a seminar at a church. Um, or something like that. Level two is um, a training course in biblical counseling um, that extends over several weeks. We actually have been very fortunate to receive um, some really uh, great help with uh, the Association of Biblical Counselors and we actually use some of their material in level two. Um, and we've contextualized some of that stuff, but largely we use what they've provided, which has been fantastic. So those courses are about 10 to 12 weeks. They're a little bit longer. Those are for, the, the idea is if you do a level one, you have a level one sort of educational experience and it goes really well and you, and you say, I'd like to learn more, we then recommend you do level two. And we think that if the committed church member does a level two training course, um, they will be equipped to do competent pastoral care in their local church. 
Um, and then level three is um, really the CCEF courses that we, we host. So we've got an amazing partnership with CCEF. They've been incredibly generous. And um, that, that's really geared more for the vocational pastoral worker. So it could be a pastor, it could be a woman's worker or a children's worker in a church. And essentially what they're doing is completing the CCEF certificate course through us. Um, our long-term plan, and it's already starting to be rolled out, is to have um, local tutors who are marking the papers. So we've got African tutors who are marking the papers that students submit, which we we um, think gives people a more contextual feel for um, what they're dealing with. So at the moment, we've got a few um, of those tutors up and running, and we've we've got about 30 people in the pipeline who are getting trained to do that kind of work. So, um, yeah, so the level three stuff is is our most uh, advanced level of training. And yeah, I mean, if anyone's done the CCEF stuff, you know how good it is. And um, we think that's that's the that's the sort of um, most uh, thorough training that BC Africa offers. No, I think it's great. And I, I, um, the website is very simple and easy to find. It's biblicalcounselingafrica.com for our audience members who want to find it. Or if you go to the BCC's website and see that global map that we have under our menu, uh, the one at the bottom of Africa, that's the <laughs> that's BC Africa. And um, I love how you're passionate about reaching the entire continent. We were talking ahead of time, too, about some more connections we can make to help make that happen. But I love the heart, too, of just taking the best of the best of every biblical counseling organization out there and, and utilizing all of the resources. And that's, uh, I, I'm thankful for you and Jane, both being Jane Kratz, uh, who's the vice chair of BC Africa, both being part of the biblical counseling coalition council, um, in your heart to really, uh, build relationships, collaborate and utilize the best that the world has to offer to advance this, this mission. So, yeah. Yeah, and just to um, thank the coalition because, I mean, firstly, none of those level two or three options would be available without other biblical counseling coalition partners uh, partnering with us. So we're we're deeply grateful for that, and uh, we also use the biblical counseling coalition's confessional statement and doctrinal statements as our as part of our constitution as an organization, and so that's really helped us clarify what we mean by biblical counseling when we, when we promote it and when we train people in it. And so I think um, the ministry of the BCC has really made biblical counseling Africa possible. You know, I think um, we owe a huge amount of debt to you guys. So thank you for all that you do. Well, we are, it's, it's, not a debt at all. It's a, it's a joy, obviously, to to do it and to honor. And I, we're standing on the shoulders of a lot of people who've gone before us. And I, I love those documents as well. And the I think we had 36 different leaders at the time that those were written from all across the spectrum of biblical counseling, co- collaborating on what what is biblical counseling when we drill it down to its basis, what are the key components in yeah, BC Africa, as well as the the network of biblical soul care in Germany, and lots of others have adopted those documents. And uh, yeah, um, we're we are encouraged. I will tell our staff, I'll tell our coalition members as well that 
the, that because that is an encouragement to us as well. Um, we mentioned before that you you are busy and have been busy, and I sent you all the questions for like our getting to know you <laughs> podcast, which we I don't think we'll have time because I'm, I'm curious about a couple other projects you've been working on. One was you finished a PhD, um, which congratulations and praise the Lord. That's awesome. Yeah, thanks. Yeah. You know what it's like to have to um, labor through that process. It is. Yeah, it is a lot. Well, I, and I was really fascinated too by what you did in your dissertation, which uh, for some people hearing fascination and dissertation sounds like an oxymoron, but it was really, really good. So tell everybody what, what was it that you did for your dissertation and what was the result? Yeah, uh, it's always a dangerous question asking a PhD student what the dissertation was, but I'll try and be succinct. Um, it was about biblical counseling supervision. Um, so more, more particularly, it was uh, proposing a multidimensional model for supervising counselors. I had the huge privilege of having Bob Kellerman be my um, co-supervisor. And I actually built my model on theoretical work he had done in his book, Equipping Counselors for the Church, where he looks at four, um, four C's of um, equipping someone. And I, I started with that and applied it to the supervision um, task. And then I added a sort of developmental component to those four C's. So what does it look like to develop a counselor in the kind of beginning, middle and advanced stages of their counseling using the four C's. Um, and then a big part of it was, um, so that was sort of the theological and theoretical side. And then a big part of it was just doing qualitative research. And again, actually huge numbers of people from uh, the biblical counseling coalition allowed me to interview them. Um, so I was able to just ask people, what are they doing in the area of supervision and get, a nice bird's eye view of, of what's going on in that space. Um, and so this, the PhD was a little bit of theoretical, theological work, uh, but also looking at what's actually happening on the ground already and why is it happening in the way that it's happening and, and that kind of thing. So that was really valuable. I really um, was, was grateful to uh, both individuals and organizations that allowed me to poke around <laughs> <laughs> and ask those, those questions. Uh, it, it probably could be a whole, I know it could be at least one other podcast because of the work that you put into a dissertation is extensive. Um, but could you, would you mind sharing maybe a couple of the takeaways that you saw either um, I, ways that we can grow as we are doing practical training and supervising in biblical counseling or things that you thought, oh, this is fantastic, or just any insights that you would like to share? Sure, yeah. I mean, I think I was I was very encouraged at, at what is happening. I think that people that are doing supervision um, are, are working hard at it. Um, I think one of the big takeaways from the research was that, in general, we're not doing a lot of what I would have called multidimensional supervision. So I think our supervision tends to concentrate on content um, and on skills. And that's good and important, but it doesn't always focus enough perhaps on character 
or on the strength of interpersonal dynamics in the counseling. I think that's also linked to the way supervision happens. I think a lot of it is not um, observed directly. A lot of it is through um, written reports, which are, you know, have a lot of advantages to them, but, but what they lack is that direct observation of the dynamics going on in the room. Um, yeah, so I think I think that um, those are those are there for a reason, though. So you know, trying to figure out why do we supervise in this way? Well, there are historical, logistical um, reasons for why it is what it is, and those aren't easy things to solve. But I did walk away again after having looked at some of Bob's work and then building on it, more convinced of the need for. Um, a more multi-dimensional approach, um, even though I recognize that is harder. I think it's actually harder for parachurch ministries than for local churches. Um, so local churches actually tended to do more multi-dimensional supervision, even if it was sort of by accident. <laughs> uh, I think the parachurch um, environment um, is a little bit harder to get that life-on-life access the people you're training so um yeah so it was it was encouraging to seeing what people were doing um but it was good to notice maybe where some of the gaps are um a little bit harder to solve some of those things because they're not necessarily those gaps don't exist because of necessarily because of theological convictions they might just exist because of logistical reasons and those aren't always um as easy to solve as just um, you know thinking differently. <laughs> your 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 situation can be a bit more stubborn than that. Yeah, no, it's it's good. Uh, I'm really excited. I haven't read it in depth myself, but I, when I we had talked about it before, and I heard different things about the survey that was taking place, and I saw a few uh, kind of I think the abstract and some concepts that came out of it. And I think it's really good work. One that I would like to encourage more people to be doing. And I think as a movement, we are, we're in a good place and in a good season where we need to do some self-analysis and think about uh, how can we continue to grow? How, what are our strengths? What are our weaknesses? What are the opportunities? And, and how do we continue to grow this thing in understanding that historical context that really the modern movement is you know, just over 60 years old is not super, super long. <clears throat> and those logistical things have been um, around forever. But how can we solve that? So uh, any, any chance that, I know the whole dissertation won't be published as is likely, I mean, uh, but that you're going to be able to take some of your, <laughs> some of your work and, and put it into something that it would be easy for people to get their hands on and, and, uh, yeah, I'd be very happy to do that. Maybe I can, um, I've got something that I do um, share with people that are interested, which is a, a worksheet you can use for when you supervise a counselor and you can, the supervisor can use it in terms of keeping track of their supervision and, to, and, and how they, are they developing the counselor that they're supervising. So I'd be very happy to, um, to share that with you, but also I could do little summaries of the chapters. Um, yeah, I'd be very happy to do that. Um, it, I think whenever you, when you find a PhD student who 
sniffs the idea that people might be interested in what they write, <laughs> they'd be happy to put something together. Well, maybe I know sometimes I know some different publishers listen to the podcast, and they maybe they can reach out to you and and uh, work up some some idea there. But yeah, and then maybe we can you can send us the worksheet and we can make that available on the BCC website or some other way, uh, whatever you're comfortable with. That'd be great uh, resource. So yeah, like I said, we could talk about that forever, but there's another, (laughs) Um, and and just to backtrack a little bit for our audience, if you're a student or you're thinking about doing, doing uh, doctoral work, I think those types of questions and that type of study is something that our field is, is primed and ready for and we need, and we need to be expanded that and then also to encourage us as a biblical counseling movement like what a what a blessing and honor that we have enough information enough history of doing what we've been doing that we can analyze it we can think about it and we can we can grow so sometimes i know it it feels uncomfortable for people to prick and prod and ask those questions and point out areas uh, that might be not as great as we want them to be but actually those are those are growing opportunities, and so I appreciate everybody who participated in that and want to encourage more of that type of work being done. Yeah, and just, just to quickly add on that, I mean, there was a real openness amongst um, all the people that I interviewed. You know, the guys that um, ACBC shared it with their counselors, and uh, Bob Kellerman was amazing. You know, he just has so much wisdom to offer. So I think to younger guys who and girls who are looking to do more um, graduate level research, there are incredible people in the movement that you can you can learn from, and and just being able to ask those questions so that we can grow and keep making progress um, is is so important. Yeah. Well, thank you for, thank you for doing that. And thank you for sharing what, uh, what you learned and and hopefully we can continue to grow as a movement and from what you, what you studied and what you learned. So another project (laughs) just came out this year in 2022, you co-wrote a book uh, with Eliza Huey called how to get the most out of your counseling. And it's, it's really short. Uh, I think actually Amazon listed as a pamphlet, but it's it's, you know, I think it's in those 10, 10 of those published it. So if you've seen a lot of their stuff, you, you know their, the size of their books, booklets, mini books, whatever you want to call it. Tell our audience about what, what is the main thrust behind that book and what were you hoping to accomplish with it? Um, there would be two main goals for writing that. The first one was to demystify biblical counseling. Um, particularly in South Africa, I think a lot of people don't really know what counseling is never mind biblical counseling so or if they do know it it's it's an idea that they've maybe just picked up from the media or something they don't they don't quite know what is counseling how do i know i need counseling and if i need counseling what next and you know so the 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 main thing i think was to demystify what can seem to be quite an unknown entity, uh, which then obviously helps the person really discern whether they need counseling and, and whether and how to get the most out of it. Um, the second big reason I think would be to help empower the counselee, you know, that actually what you what you get from counseling um, is really linked to to what you put into counseling. And so I think but I think those two things are connected. I think if counseling is mysterious, 
the counselee doesn't really know how to get the most out of it. But if you know what it is you're doing, um, then you can you can come a bit more prepared. You can be a bit more proactive, um, and you can hopefully um, get more out of that experience. Um, you can know when you know why you're there, what you sh- when it's ready to end. Um, so those two things: demystifying the the concept and then empowering the counselee to to really get more out of the experience for themselves would, would be the two big goals in the book. Yeah, and I think our counselors would benefit from that. We may all want to just hand it to people who come in for counseling and say, hey, just so you know, this is this is maybe what to expect. Here's some questions maybe you should think about. And and you you walk through, uh, in a sense, kind of the stages of counseling too is one, one way and answer Before, questions. Before, during, and after, uh, sort of... Um, yeah, six chapters and it's sort of, yeah, before, during and after, kind of. Um, yeah, it's the kind of thing we are going to probably keep in the church foyer um, or, you know, give to new counselees in terms of what should you expect? Um, how do you, you know, how do you stay on track in counseling in terms of getting the, the goal, you know, achieving the goals that you came in to achieve? Um yeah, I mean, counseling is always much more organic and relational and messy than that. But at the same time, um, trying to have a bit of a focus, I think, will hopefully help people feel like they're making genuine progress. Yeah. Well, I mean, if any of us who've just talked to the normal person, or especially if they hear like, oh, you're a biblical counselor, you will pick up on these uh, crazy concepts or ideas that they have about what it is. You know, I even just in my new office put in a couch and everybody just assumed, oh, sure, so we can come lay down and you can <laughs> like psychoanalyze us or whatever. I'm like, no, no, no. Uh, I, I like to be comfortable and I like to take a nap. So, <laughs> but um, yeah, so I think a book like that that really helps the person just take away some of the mystique and the what, what's what the f- maybe even fear that they have about what's going to happen. So thank you for, thank you for putting out that resource. Anything else you want to say about it? I was, I was going to add, I think one of the reasons, I mean, and I don't know what this is like in America, but I think what I've noticed um, here is that when one of the reasons it's hard to ask questions about biblical counseling is that people don't want to come across as criticizing the church. You know, they're not, they don't want to be, um, they're not trying to be negative, but they don't know what (laughs) you mean by biblical counseling. And so I think just by trying to proactively communicate and say, this is what we mean. um, This is what you can expect. Um, So for example, in one of the chapters, it's about how the Bible should be used in counseling. And we talk about, the fact that the Bible needs to be handled with faithfulness and skill. And it is okay to insist that the counselor uses the Bible faithfully and skillfully. And if, if they aren't, you know, you're allowed to, to, to be unhappy with that, you know? Um, and, and so I think just a healthy sense of, of demystifying the process and saying, this is what you can look out for. And, we don't obviously want to, um, you know, be, be critical of things, but I think at the same time in ministry generally, but I think in particular, sometimes biblical counseling, there can be that information asymmetry 
you know, the, the council, he doesn't really know what good biblical counseling looks like. And so they might just have to put up with whatever they get. <laughs> but we actually wanted to really empower the counselee and say, well, listen, you know, look, you know, you should be, you should, there should be a goal and the Bible should be used faithfully. And this is what you should be looking for. And, and it's okay to ask questions and that kind of thing. So um, I think because people often, I think in a really good, they're good, good spirited about it. They don't want to seem like they're criticizing, but I think from a church leader point of view, it's, it's, you know, we want to be proactive and say, well, here's what you can expect. I don't want this to be mysterious for you. I don't want you to feel like you can't ask any questions. Um, so that was linked to those big um, outcomes. Um, hopefully people feel like this is something they can think about and talk about before they get into it. Yeah, very good. Uh, well, thanks again for, for putting that out there. I'm sure it will be a blessing to many. Um, when I sent you, it was a hodgepodge of our getting to know you questions as well as just wanting an update on all of these different things that have been going on in your life and, and in your ministry. Uh, but you really like the end questions, the ones that I made <laughs> about the counseling. So I'm going to ask you a couple of those. Um, so what do you think is the hardest, what's hardest for you when you think about counseling ministry? What's the hardest aspect of that for you? Um, I think the hardest, the hardest thing for me is trying to play this facilitation role in helping someone else experience their union with Christ. You know, so I think that's one of the big things that I want for a counselee is I want them to know Christ more. I want them to experience what it means to be united to him. But I, I can't make that happen, <laughs> obviously. <laughs> and so I think just that sense of, you know, what role can I play? And obviously opening up the Bible um, collaborating on good homework, uh, assignments. Um, but really in the end, it's, it's an area obviously that is, is it's a kind of a, a, an absolutely personal thing between them and the Lord. And so I think, um, yeah, just, just wanting to be helpful in that regard. How do I help facilitate uh, this person having a deeper experience of what it means to know Christ. Um, I think that would be probably the hardest thing that, that I, um, there's lots of hard things, but I think that that would be the one that I think about a lot. Uh, and on the flip side, what, what is, what are some of the things that bring you the most joy and really keep you going forward in counseling ministry? Um, yeah, I, I think it is, it's probably seeing that, happen or at least getting a re a report of it having happened you know <laughs> during <laughs> during the um the week you know when you've when you've um followed up with someone the next in the next session is just uh hearing them understanding Jesus in a deeper or richer way understanding we did a mean a sort of a mental health um seminar at at my church recently for young adults coming out of COVID, struggling with things. And 
one of the bits of feedback we got from someone participating was saying that on this side of their life, um, they had kind of these emotional struggles and and uh, mental health struggles. And on this side of their life, they had Jesus. And those two things were totally separated. After doing the seminar, they, they realized how central Jesus was to the way they processed um, anxiety and that kind of thing is just deeply encouraging. I think re- when when someone realizes how central the Lord Jesus is to um, the way we cope with 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 suffering and trials, um, and so I think in a, in a kind of in a world that increasingly would separate the psychological from the spiritual, it's it's really beautiful to see how um, when someone truly meets Christ in the midst of their struggles, you know, those things come together and, and suddenly it sort of unlocks a whole new way of living for someone. They realize that when I have a terrible day at work, I can talk to God about it, <laughs> which seems so simple, but, 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 you know, there's a kind of, um, relational, um, vitality to that experience that I think wasn't there before. And, and, and that's just, priceless yeah it really is and it's something i think maybe we uh especially if you've been in a church for a long time or been in ministry for a long time can take for granted a lot and just kind of assume that people are already praying about their hard days and it's like no that a lot of them are not i think that's a really helpful story of that that person's experience so thank you for sharing that um one, if without, of course, not violating confidentiality or anything like that, uh, any mistake, uh, you mind sharing a mistake that you've made in counseling and maybe what you learned from it, how others could avoid doing the same I mean, thing? Probably be like a, a, a multi-episode series of uh, podcasts. I've had a few people share quite a, a number and I'm, I'm going for one, but... <laughs> um. I think the thing that I, I consistently struggle with the most is how to do confrontation well. Um, so I think the mistake I typically make is not confronting someone when I really should um, out of Christian love and, and just brotherly concern, but even in terms of just, you know, good, good counselors, do that because I think we all realize we're, we're, we're slightly mixed bags. You know, we go in for counseling, but we're all a little bit ambivalent about genuinely changing and, you know, a good counselor moves towards those places of resistance. And I am typically quite weak in that area. So I think I've, in fact, it was something Dr. Ernie Baker pointed out to me when I was still studying at Masters University that I was weak in that area, um, just by looking at my report forms. <laughs> um, and it's, it's, it's proven to actually be an area that I've struggled with the most over the years of how do I confront someone in a wise and loving way? Um, and my, def- my, my kind of default failure in that area is is just not confronting them sufficiently um so yeah so that continues to be an area of growth um for me um and i think it's an example probably of a counseling skill that is rooted in character flaws you know maybe a desire for approval 
uh, or that kind of thing. And so you, you realize that your own sanctification plays a role in your skill as a counselor. Um, so, Well, and, and I'm sure you felt this too in my own counseling. A lot of times I, f- I know the Spirit's working in my heart to grow and change me at the same time that I'm, he's using me in the lives of other people. Um, yeah. So it's a, everything works for our sanctification. <laughs> so that's great. Yeah. Uh, I love um, Paul Tripp's subtitle to instruments in the redeemer's hands where he, um, it's people in need of change, helping people in need of change. And uh, that's such a great description of biblical counseling. And being changed in the process. So, yeah, yeah. Uh, that's so what we've gone a little bit over time for our normal podcast, but it's been really uh, enjoyable and encouraging. So, final question is what's one specific piece of advice if you had the ear of a bunch of biblical counselors? What's one thing you would like them to walk away with? I think. Um, I think the big thing would be gratitude for what God has done through the biblical counseling movement in the last 50 years. I think um, there's so much to learn, um, there's so much to be grateful for. Um, we're seeing this, this um, clarity around pastoral care, which is really what biblical counseling is. It's historic pastoral care. Um you know, we're seeing it develop in different parts of the world. Um, and I think particularly, as we've just kind of mentioned, that the last few years have been quite fractious, I think, across the across, across um, the world. I think we can forget just how how much we've got and, and um, how fortunate we are to, to have what we do. And so um, I suppose my big thing would just to be to be grateful, uh, to keep on learning, um, and and to keep on then sharing what we've got with with those who need who need it, you know, who need help. Um, every you know, every day we we get the opportunity to sit down with people who are struggling and point them to Jesus, who can who can meet with them and and change their hearts and redirect their destinies. And so, I think that sense of gratitude and um, endurance, I think, would be the the kind of. I mean, I've, I've got to. I, I say that to myself as much as to anyone else. Well, thank you for sharing that, and it's definitely definitely something we all need to hear, especially in this, I think, season. Uh, and I appreciate you highlighting too that the the divisions that we've experienced in our particular countries are really human things. There's stuff that people are wrestling with around the globe. Um, and we in biblical counseling are not immune to those fractious tendencies as well because it really comes down to a, a matter of the human heart. Um, it's easy to divide, easy to separate, easy to point fingers and to not, uh, yeah, grace, love, mercy, forgiveness, reconciliation, peace, those are all divine tendencies, division, fraction. In You know, you look at the deeds of the flesh and the 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 fruit of the spirit. <laughs> so, well, thank you, brother, for, for sharing that. And thank you for being with us on 1514 today. It's an absolute pleasure. Thank you for having me. And um, just once again, I just want to thank the, uh, 
biblical counseling coalition for all that they do and and for all those who support um, the ministry of the bcc um it really is having a significant impact um and i just want to thank you uh, curtis particularly for your leadership and um yeah uh, here in south africa we are praying for you as you continue to lead this organization well thank you brother and tell tell everybody there we really appreciate them and pray for them regularly as well so thank you Thank you for listening to today's episode of 1514. If you'd like to find out more about the Biblical Counseling Coalition, you can visit our website at biblicalcc.org. Special thanks to our podcast engineer, James Wills, who does all the post-production editing to make this podcast sound so wonderful. Also want to thank my assistant, Carrie Felton, for helping to arrange these interviews. And a special thanks to Andrew Riddell, who composed and recorded the music we use on 1514. I hope you have a wonderful day.